Father, um, we rejoice in these children. We rejoice that you have made us your children. And Father, we ask that you would be pleased now to come and meet together with us. Come by the power of your spirit. Father, without you, nothing good will happen here. We ask that you would give us ears to hear and hearts and minds to obey. Father, bless us, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. God loves to bless his people. And God loves for his people to bless others. Over 40 years ago, my life was changed by the face of one man. I really didn't know him very well, but I greatly respected him. Dr. M was 90 years old. And I remember where we were standing when he turned his face to me and he said, God's face is on you. Good job. Other words, more personal words, were also spoken. His face and those words breathed life into me. Dr. M blessed me and he told me that I was to be a blessing to others. I remember that face, wrinkled, tender, resolute, content, humble, powerful, the face of a man who had walked with God for many years. Dr. M, in reality, gave a benediction to me. He did it with his words and he did it with his face. The last couple months, Jeff and Jack have been leading us through a series on worship. They've been using the book of Psalms in order to do that. A book that God wrote to His children to lead us in all aspects of worship. And it has been a rich and informative study. We've studied many different topics. We've heard of our call to worship and our invocation of confession and lament, of pardon and peace thanksgiving and meditation on the word. And then last week was petition. We come today to close out this series on worship with the benediction. The literal meaning is the speaking of good words. And we know that Proverbs 12 tells us that anxiety weighs down the heart, but a kind word cheers us up. The benediction is a good, kind word, a blessing from God Himself given to His children for our encouragement and strengthening and growth in order that we might be a blessing to other people. I invite you this morning to open your Bibles to Psalm 67 or follow along in your bulletins or overhead here. In this psalm, the writer really combines two different benedictions or blessings from the stories of the people of God. The first part of the psalm is from Numbers 6. As God instructed Aaron, the first high priest of Israel, the brother of Moses, on how to bless the people, he said, beginning with verse 23, Thus you shall bless the sons of Israel. You shall say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up His countenance on you. And give you peace. Then part of Psalm 67 also echoes the blessing given to Abram. 
as God tells him in Genesis 12, I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. The blessing, the benediction, the good words are given. They are to nourish us, and then they're to flow out of us to others. God loves to bless his people. And God loves for his people to bless others. Here the word of God is found in Psalm 67. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine on us so that your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. May the peoples praise you, God. May all the peoples praise you. May the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you rule the peoples with equity and guide the nations of the earth. May the peoples praise you, God. May all the peoples praise you. The land yields its harvest. God, our God, blesses us. May God bless us still so that all the ends of the earth will fear him. This psalm is a benediction with God blessing his people. And this psalm also is a doxology, with God being praised by his people. First, let's deal with our circumstances. And our circumstances this morning are these. We live in a broken, a profoundly broken world. There would have been a period of time, perhaps, in which I would not have needed to make that case with you. For you know the brokenness that we are in. We hear about it day in and day out. You and I are reminded weekly, if not daily, that we live in a fallen, broken world. And it's just not Paris or Mali. It's in our own personal lives. I'm amazed at the roller coaster sensations and realities of life that we all experience. The Psalms certainly describe our joys and our praise, but also the Psalms describe our brokenness. We can be going through life without a care in the world. All is so good when all of a sudden we are hit by a semi. There is the family who's about to leave on vacation, one that has been long anticipated, when news comes of losing the job. There's a situation where all seems to have fallen into place so well, when all of a sudden our child is hurt or hospitalized. All seems to be so good when the doctor says the word cancer. Oftentimes... It's very easy for us to think that our circumstances are unique and that the biblical writers could never relate to our brokenness and our stress. I want us to see the Psalms this morning and the rawness and the reality they express. The writers have not cleaned up their lives or edited out their struggles. Perhaps they're even more real than we are. They pour out their souls and their feelings and their questions and their doubts to the Lord. In the Psalms, you can find fears and anxieties and grief and depression and exhaustion and agony and doubts. 
Let me read some of the expressions of the people of God. Um, They went before us and they record their inner thoughts and how they describe their lives to God. Psalm 61, hear my cry, O God, give heed to my prayer. From the end of the earth I call to you when my heart is faint. Some here this morning feel as if you are at the end of the earth. Psalm 69, I am afflicted and in pain. Some here sense deep pain in their inner beings. Psalm 34, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Some here this morning are brokenhearted. Psalm 6, my eye wastes away because of grief. Some here are grieving deeply. Psalm 44, shame has covered my face. Some here are carrying shame. Psalm 42, why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Some here are so discouraged. Psalm 31, my life is spent with sorrow. Some here are in deep sorrow. Psalm 13, how long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? Some here feel so lonely and abandoned. I could go on and on. The truth is that the Psalms express it all. The circumstances of our lives are vividly seen in the Psalms. That is why they've been so powerfully used by God to bless His people since they were written. Can you be real with God? Can you tell Him your fears and your struggles and your shame and your grief and your addictions? These words that I have drawn to your attention from the Psalms, they tell us really our own situation and our own longings. Can you say with the psalm writer in Psalm 63, O God, for you my soul is thirsting, my flesh is longing like a dry, weary land without water. Because we live with this thirsting, this pain and grief and shame and discouragement and sorrow, our greatest longings are to hear someone tell us, I love you. It's going to be okay. There's nothing like hearing those words from a mother or a father. For some people here today, though, they might say, I never heard those words. But I did did hear the words that I was not good enough, that I just didn't measure up. Spurgeon says this, but his blessing, God's blessing alone, is not all his people crave. They desire a personal consciousness of his favor and pray for a smile from his face. It is in our thirst, our brokenness, that God turns his face to us. It is in our thirst that we experience the power of His look, His face. Verse 1, may God be gracious to us and bless us and make His face shine on us. Eugene Peterson writes about the infant 
seeing the face of the parent. We've all experienced looking into the face of the young baby. Peterson says, in infancy, as our eyes gradually focus, the face becomes our first vista. By means of the parental face, we know ourselves as ourselves. And in its expressions, learn our place in the world. In the face, we acquire trust and affection. Or in some terrible cases, rejection and abuse. He says our formative years are spent looking up into the face. And we grow up toward what we are looking up to. The face is our source and our sun under which we realize ourselves as intimately conceived, he says. These experienced facts of face develop into the metaphor of God's face. We long to experience the face of someone who is going to instill in us a peace and a confidence. May you and I find this as we look into the face of God. Psalm 105 says, Look to the Lord and His strength. Seek His face always. I have a granddaughter, Isabella, whom numerous times has taken my face and she's turned it to her own face. And she says, Pop, look at me. The child wants your face. If I could meddle for just a minute... Friends, when you get home or when you gather together for Thanksgiving later in the week, I want to encourage you to put down your phones or your computers. Give others your face. This phone has taken the place of our calendars, our alarms, our cameras. Don't let it take the place of your relationships also. The child wants your face. The child of God wants the face of God. We cannot live without it. Listen to God's word. And remember that the benediction is having God's face turned towards you. Psalm 4, lift up your faith, the light of your face upon us, O Lord. Psalm 31, make your face shine on your servant. Save me in your steadfast love. Psalm 44, not by their own sword did they win the land, but your right hand and your arm and the light of your face. Psalm 80, restore us, O God. Let your face shine that we may be saved. Psalm 89, blessed are the people who walk, O Lord, in the light of of your face. God loves to turn his face towards his children. It gives joy to him and it gives power to us to live our lives. God turns his face toward us. He blesses us. Verse 2, so that your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. May the peoples praise you, O God. May all the peoples praise you. May the nations be glad and sing for joy. In other words, the blessing, the benediction, is not only to stay with us. We are to be a blessing to others. God loves to bless His people. 
And God loves for His people to bless others. In our thirst, we experience His face. And it is in our thirst, our brokenness, that God speaks His Word to us. It is in our thirst that we experience the power of the Word. I mentioned the power of words already. Our longing to hear, I love you, and you can do it. Sometimes we send even negative messages when they're not even meant. We have to be so careful. As a 10-year-old, I went to a children's meeting at church, and they wanted two children to sing in the church service the next week. And so the teacher said, Rhett and Joey, come up here and practice this song. So we did. And there was this long, long pause. And the teacher then said, Okay, how about Rhett and Donnie? They sang in church the next week. I got the message. And if I still remember it today, when I don't remember things that happened yesterday, um, that means that those innocent words had a big impact on me. Now, um, knowing my voice, I've actually decided that I feel sorrier for the teacher who put me in that situation and had to get out of it than I do for myself Um, There wasn't much else she could do but look for a way out. But God's words, God's words to us are perfect and life-giving. Listen to the first and last verses of Psalm 67. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make His face shine on us. May God bless us still so that all the ends of the earth will fear Him. God always pronounced the benediction, the good words, the words of blessing into the circumstances of the brokenness of His people. In the New Testament epistles, letters to the followers of Jesus, time and again, after addressing their issues and struggles and sins, Paul would end with a benediction blessing them. The benediction weekly is not an add-on to worship. It is a vital element of worship. Don't miss that. The benediction pronounced weekly at the end of the worship service is the declaration of God's blessing upon the followers of Christ. It is meant to strengthen and encourage you as you go back out into a world of great need. Reminding you that you go in His strength, not in your own strength. It is meant to be shared with others. You are blessed in order to be a blessing. God loves to bless His people. And God loves for His people to bless others. The brokenness of life and the power of the face and of the word. The giving of a benediction can be seen in the life of one I've been reading of the last few weeks. His name was Rodney Gypsy Smith. He became a well-known evangelist on two continents. Gypsy was born in 1860 in a tent outside of London to his Gypsy parents. His mother died when he was very young. There were five young children who became motherless. And they had a very rough illiterate, drunken, carousing father 
who was described as a dishonest fiddler player who frequented the taverns nightly. And after the death of his wife, Gypsy's father was in a tavern and he was actually given the book Pilgrim's Progress by John Bunyan. Someone would have to read it to him. But Gypsy later wrote of their family story and he said this of his father. When he got to the point where Pilgrim's burden drops off as he looks at the cross of Christ, he rose from his seat by the wayside and excitedly walking up and down cried, This is what I want, my burden removed. If God does not save me, I shall die. There is a hunger gnawing in my heart. I can neither eat, drink, nor sleep. The father soon thereafter was sitting under the powerful convicting sermons of the prison chaplain, for he found himself in jail. And Gypsy writes, Then in utter exhaustion and tired of carrying his sins and burdens, he had a dream in which Christ appeared to him and showed him his nail-pierced hands. He trusted in the Lord Jesus. Gypsy says that when his father trusted Christ, the people were singing the hymn, There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. And sinners plunged beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains. The refrain at that time was, I do believe, I will believe that Jesus died for me. The father left prison and he came home and he gathered his five motherless children to himself. And Gypsy records the following, which is really the story of the gospel. And it's your story and my story as God has saved us also. He says, the father says to the children, Do not be afraid of me, my dears. God has sent home your father a new creature and a new man. He put his arms as far around the five of us as they would go, kissing us all. And before we could understand what had happened, he fell on his knees and began to pray. Never will my brothers, sisters, and I forget that first prayer. I still feel its sacred influence on my heart and soul. In storm and sunshine, life and death, I expect to feel the benediction of that first prayer my whole life. The Father, out of His own brokenness, came and entered into the brokenness of His children. He gave them the blessing of his face and of his words. And Gypsy then explains what happened next because it does not stop with his family. He writes, There was no sleep for any of us that night. Father was singing, I do believe, I will believe that Jesus died for me. And we soon learned it too. Morning when it dawned, found my father full of this new life and this new joy. He again prayed with his children, asking God to save them. And while he was praying, God told him he must go to the other gypsies that were encamped on the same piece of land in all about 20 families. Forthwith, he began to sing in the midst of them, and he told them what God had done for them. Many of them wept. Turning towards his brother, he saw him and his wife on their knees. 
The wife was praying to God for mercy and God saved her then and there. They commenced a prayer meeting in one of the tents and all 13 gypsies professed to find Christ that morning. Gypsy also came to know Christ a little later after visiting the home of John Bunyan, the author of Pilgrim's Pilgrim's Progress. And then he taught himself to read and to write. He became a powerful preacher proclaiming Christ in England and in the U.S. He was a blessed man and he was used to bless many thousands of people. God loves to bless his people and God loves for his people to bless others. Jesus has turned his face to us. He has blessed us. The greatest blessing of all is the salvation that comes as he has purchased it for us on the cross. Do you know that that salvation was accomplished at the expense of God the Father turning his face for a period of time away from his son? Jesus cried out on the cross, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The face of the Father was turned from the Son as He carried our sin, so that the face of the Father could be set eternally upon us. That is love. As we wrap up, let me challenge you. Give others your face. Give them your words. The older you are, I really think the more power you have to bless by your face and by your words. Give your greatest blessing to others. Bless someone every day. Look into their eyes. Give them words of blessing. You and I know that our world is full of tragedy. The world naturally beats us up. Whatever your realm of influence is, whether it's home or work or neighborhood, bless someone every day. Turn your face and your words to others. I remember that 90-year-old face of Dr. M turning to me. God used it to show me his own face and the face of the Lord Jesus. God used that face and those words of blessing and benediction to bless and change me. I'll never forget it. Have you seen God's face and heard his words of blessing and benediction upon you? He says to you this morning, Come unto me. All who are weary and cast your burden upon me. I love you and I'm with you. Some of you need prayer this morning and I want to encourage you after the service ends to go out these doors and turn to the left and there will be those who will pray with you. God loves to bless his people. And God loves for his people to bless others. Jesus changes everything. Let us pray together. Father, we indeed live in a broken world. 
And we, this morning, need your face and your word to shine upon us. So, Father, we ask that as we go throughout this week, this week that is set aside for giving thanks, we ask that you would make us a more thankful people than we've ever been. May we see what you have done for us. Father, we ask that you would give us the grace to bless other people with our own words and with our own faces, even as you bless us. Father, we praise you in the matchless name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Please be seated for just a moment. I do believe we have sung, I will believe that Jesus died for me. If you can say that this morning, the face and the words of God are upon you. And you leave here today a blessed person indeed. The corporate worship service ends each week with this element of the benediction, which is saying that what is happening here right now should not be ending. What is going on here should continue out there. The benediction is a pronouncing by the pastor of the blessing of God upon you. Your posture is to receive it so that you are strengthened and blessed and encouraged to go out from here as ambassadors, as salt and light to touch the lives of others with your face and with your words, with the love of Christ. Probably all of us in this room have prayed in the past days for our own country, and we've prayed for the world in which we live. Let me finish with Gypsy Smith later on in his life. After speaking in hundreds of huge gatherings in England and here in the United States, after crossing the Atlantic 45 times, holding crusades, after having been invited into the White House by two presidents, a delegation came to him and they inquired about how they might experience personal and mass revival as he had. They wanted to be a blessing the way Gypsy was a blessing. And without hesitation, this is what he said. Go home, lock yourself in your room, kneel down on the middle of the floor, and with a piece of chalk, draw a circle around yourself. There on your knees, pray fervently and brokenly that God would start a revival within that circle. Might you and I draw a circle And pray for revival. It starts with you and me. Please stand and receive this benediction. Let it start with you and then bless others. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.